Genesis chapter 3, amen. Verse 6, the Bible says in verse 6, And when the woman saw, somebody say saw, that the tree was good for food, somebody say good for food, and that it was pleasant to the eyes, somebody say pleasant to the eyes, and a tree to be desired, someone say a tree to be desired, and to make one wise, she took of the fruit thereof, and did eat, and gave also unto her husband with her, and he did eat. I made you say those words because I wanted to point some things out to you, or hopefully you caught what was going on there, what Eve did. And when Eve ate from the tree that she was forbidden to eat from, you saw how the setup took place, why she ate. She saw with her eyes. She saw something and was drawn in by what she saw. Right. And when she saw, she started to figure out, well, it's good for something. It's good for food. And so she said, OK, well, that's good. And then she said, as, as the scripture says, that it, it the tree was going to make her wise. And so she liked that. And so everything about what she saw and understood, she liked it. And so she went after it. And we know that was the actually don't want to get into any theologian or theological stuff right now, but that was the second sin that was ever committed, and I will argue that it probably wasn't the second sin. The second sin was when Adam took the fruit and ate. Eve was disobedient to Adam, but Adam disobeyed God. Let's pray. Father, we love you. You're great and greatly to be praised. Thank you for this august body of people gathered here this morning. Lord, you have brought them here, and I pray that you will speak to their heart and speak to their mind, and that they will receive from you this morning a life-changing word, a word that will draw them closer to you, a word, Lord God, that will help them to grow. I pray the power and the glory of the Lord will consume us, will overshadow us, and God, that we will leave this place changed. We give you all the honor and all the praise, and we ask you all of these things in Jesus' name. Somebody say amen. Amen. You may be seated. I want to talk to you today on this topic, making the right choice. Making the right choice. It's a very, very important topic that we need to look at because we need to understand how to make the right choice. We're, We're challenged all the time with our choices that we make. And so, I, I believe it's 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 right that at this point in time that that Lord will have us to talk about making the right choices. And so I want to talk to you about that just for a moment this morning. How many of us has ever taken a, an exam or a test, a multiple choice exam or test, multiple choice exam and test? Many of us. By the way, Sister Cummins, good to see you this morning. I didn't recognize you last week, and I've just wanted to beat myself up. Anybody come to this church for the first time, I recognize you, let you know I'm always glad to see you. And so God just directed you according to you, that God directed you here last Sunday. And so I did not get to let you know that I appreciate you coming and being with us. So thank you for being here last week, and here you go again. Thanks for being here. God bless you. And so... We have taken multiple choice um, um, exams and quiz and tests and, 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 and sometimes we get to a question where we don't know the answer. We're not sure. And so we said, 
Hmm. Some of us say eeny, meeny, miny, mo, right? And and so we're not sure what the what the answer may be for certain question. And so what we do is we say, well, we look real hard and we go by our gut, how we feel, what we what we think is the answer, and we go ahead and we choose. That answer. And if someone is sitting close to you that you think might know a little bit uh, more about the exam than you, then you kind of sneak a peek. <laughs> because you're trying to get the right answer. You want to make the right choice for the right answer. And so we're always trying to choose. I believe as a people, we want to make the right choices in life. We always want to make the right choices, but we end up oftentimes not making the right choices. And even when we make some choices, sometimes we feel at peace with it. There's always this, 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 this challenge within us. There's always this war within us wondering, what if I would have made the other choice? And so choice is a thing that we deal with all the time. All of us in here today, I promise you, have battled and continue to battle with choices that you're making. Is this the right choice? Or should I make the other choice? Or is is it something that I, I need to wait before I make a decision on? But I need to make the right choice. And this morning, I want to talk to you about making the right choice and to know for sure how to make the right choice. Because you see, there's a a way to make the right choice. And if we're just going to make a choice of because of how we feel and what our gut tell us, we are going to be, going to be wrong oftentimes. And so I want to bring your attention to Genesis chapter 25. Some familiar passage of scripture that some of you may know about, but this is some Every time I read this, it's like the Lord opening up and give me more clarity, more understanding, or more in-depth knowledge of this passage of text. Brother Sam, it's good to see you this morning. Genesis chapter 25, verse 29 says, And Jacob sawed pottage, and Esau came from the field, and he was faint. And Esau said to Jacob, Feed me, I pray thee, with that with that same red pottage, for I am faint. Therefore was his name called Edom. The pottage was red and Jacob was red and hairy, so that's why his name was called Edom, because red pottage, he is red and hairy, so that's why the scripture mentioned that. Verse 31 says, And Jacob said, Sell me this day thy birthright. Esau was the oldest son of his father Isaac, And Esau, the oldest son in the family, is automatically chosen to carry the birthright. Meaning, when daddy is gone and the oldest son is still here, the oldest son is responsible for carrying on daddy's lineage. He's responsible for making sure whatever daddy was doing, he continues it. And so, he is the one that will take care of the family, that will take care of the livestock and make sure everyone was good. And so, that's what Esau's responsibility was as the firstborn. He had that birthright. But he said here to Jacob, sell me this day. Jacob said to him, sell me this day thy birthright. And Esau said, behold, I am at the point to die. And what profit shall this birthright do to me? Question mark. 
And Jacob said, swear to me this day. And he swear unto him. And he sold his birthright unto Jacob. He gave up his birthright for a bowl of lentil beans. You laugh, but I'm going to break it down to our terms in our day and say, let's think about this a little bit. So he gave up his birthright because he was hungry for some food. Then Jacob gave Esau bread and pottage of lentils. And he did eat and drank and rose up and went his way. Thus Esau despised his birthright. Now think about it. I wonder how long it took to eat a hot bowl of lentils with some bread and maybe some water. How long you think that took? You know, he came out of the field. He was hungry. And so, I mean, starving. So I'm sure it might have took him 10 minutes and he just knocked it out. And when he got done, he ate it. He drank what he was supposed to drink. And then he left. He'd already sold his birthright. So in 10 minutes, he gave up what was considered more valuable than anything else that he could ever possess. But in 10 minutes, he got a bowl, ate the bowl, drank what he was supposed to drink, used the bread, sop it up, boom. And he's good now. Belly full, don't feel like he's fainted or getting ready to faint, pass out, die. He's all good now, but he sold his birthright. How many of us have given up precious things for little small things just to satisfy our flesh at that moment, just to get what we want at that moment? Esau wanted what he wanted at that moment, and so he was willing to give up his most prized possession just for that moment. Esau said, look, I am at the point to die. And what profit this birthright will do for me? Can I tell you this? Most of our decisions that we make, we make them just for the moment. This is why most of our decision is wrong decisions. Because we're making decisions just for that moment. We can't see outside of that moment. That moment has encapsulated us. And all we can see and all we can think about is just that moment. And so we must make any decision for our pleasure, for our satisfaction, just for that moment. And we never stop to think at that moment the ramifications afterwards. Because I want what I want. And so often, we as men of God, women of God, young people of God, are making these decisions just for that moment and never considered the future. We put the future on the back burner and said, we'll get to that. We'll get to that. In order to have a future, you got to deal with the present the right way. In order to have some money in the bank, you got to put some money in the bank. You can't, you can't have a savings if you never, if every time you get paid, you never put none in. So in order to affect the future, you gotta deal with the present the right way. 
And so many of us have made decisions just worrying about the present of what we want and we never thought about the future. Therefore, in order to escape immediate anxiety or feelings, if you will, Esau exchanged his birthright for food. Not understanding that he grievously sinned in doing so. We like to make the decision and say, God understands. I was so hungry. God knew if I didn't eat that lentil, if I didn't do what I had to do to get that. He, he, he don't want me to die. God don't want this to happen to me. We love to say what God would and wouldn't want. And we have no idea what God want or wouldn't want. God wouldn't want this. And so we go around telling people what God would or God wouldn't want to. And the question is, did God tell you that? God don't want me to stay hungry. Did God tell you that? There's a man in the Bible called Hosea. And God told Hosea was to marry a prostitute. How can God dare tell a man, good upstanding Christian man, go marry a prostitute? Well, that's not what I'm preaching about today, but I just threw that in to let you know, stop saying what God would or God wouldn't unless he tell you. If he didn't tell you, don't say what he would and what he wouldn't. And so this is why I'm doing what I'm doing. We don't want to make an excuse for God. We want God to do what God's going to do, and we don't have to make any excuses for him. And so Esau gave up his birthright for some food, but he sinned. Because any time you reject the things of God for the things of this world, you sinned against God. Any time you make a decision to please you instead of pleasing God, you sinned. Now, I'm not telling you you can't do stuff to please yourself. What I'm saying is when the choice is do what God wants or do what you want, and you decide to do what you want, you sin against God. That's what Esau did. He had a birthright. He had an inheritance. And he decided, I want what I want. Forget about that inheritance. And so Esau, in his mind, this is how he's thinking. Unless this birthright can profit me right now in this life, what good is it? That was, the, that was his thinking, and I'm trying to get us to put ourselves in Esau's place or start to think about this. That are we living as Christians not understanding that if we're going to make a decision about the things of God saying, well, right now it's not relevant. Well, right now it's not meaningful. Well, right now it doesn't do too much. So I'll put that on the back burner because right now this is what I need. This is what I think and this is what I want. And so we make a decision for the right now and forget about what God wants. That's how he was thinking. This birthright can't, here we go, this is our terminology. This birthright can't give me food right now. We always have a good way of explaining our way of why we do things. And I'm sure Esau was saying, this birthright can't feed me. How good can it be? You know how people meet you out in the street and you say, yeah, I go to church, I'm a Christian. Yeah, but God knows you need this. Why God ain't doing that for you? 
Mm-hmm. People do that to you all the time. If you're going to live for God, you will. If you live for love God long enough, if someone hasn't done that to you, they'll do it. You've been living for God. Why this not right in your life? Why that's not right in your life? Why you're not getting this? Why this not working out for you? God is our father. Anybody know that? God, God is our father. And your daddy knows what's best at all times. And so when somebody say, why God? I say, he my daddy and he knows what's best for me. So if he's not, I'm okay with it. I may not be happy about it, but I'm okay with it because he is my daddy. And whatsoever he wants from me, whatever he's going to do, it's always going to be right. I'm always going to be okay with it because God is my daddy. He is not some magician. He is not just some God that take care of brats like us sometimes. Can you do? Can you do? Can you give me? Can you do? That's not what God is about. God has got your best interest at hand. He will do for you when you need it done for you. He will provide for you just the way you need for provision. God will take care of you according to how he sees fit. He knows what's best for you. Don't let anybody make you feel like, oh, you're supposed to be a Christian. Why this is not happening for you? Why God isn't doing this for you? Well, God is my daddy, and he will do whatsoever he wants to do for me because he knows what's best for me. We spoil our children so we don't know how God operates. <laughs> you know, our children are spoiled, so we want to think God is going to raise us like we raise our children. We better back it up and say, hold on here. God won't raise children like he, like I raised them. And so because you give your children everything they want and do everything that they want, and every time they, you know, something happens, you, well, I'll take care of it. And we don't know about tough love. But God knows. Because God is not a God that's worrying about the immediate We worry about the immediate, but God is saying, I want you to be in my house. I want you to spend eternity with me. I want you to live a life of bliss. I want you to live the life that will be good to you, where there will be no more crying, no more dying, no more suffering. God wants to give you a future. God wants to give you the very best. God wants to take care of you. And sometimes, immediately, it might not feel good. It might not seem like it's right. It might not be going right, but God... God has everything under control. He will see to it that you're taken care of. We can't allow our anxiety and our our desires to get the best of us in making the decisions that we make. The Apostle Paul, if you look in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 16, the Apostle Paul called Esau a profane man. Meaning his life was nothing. He aspired for himself the things that was going to amount to nothing over the things of God. If you desire and you put more emphasis on the things of this world or the things of, 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 of your flesh and your desires over the things of God, you are profane. The Bible says, heaven and earth shall pass away, but my word shall not pass away. God also tell us that everything will come to an end. Everything at some point in time will cease. We'll all be gone. Now, what is it going to look like when this world passes away? What is it going to look like 
when everything comes to a head where there's nothing else but God because nothing else will be worth anything. You know, if we look at our system, they, you know, our world control, they, they decide what's worth anything and what's not worth anything. And I'm telling you, more and more you, you look around and you realize things that was of value is no longer value. And so nothing is tangible. Nothing is forever. Nothing is going to last a lifetime because one day it will mean nothing. And so if we're going to make decisions for things that one day will mean nothing over things that will be eternal, we're profane. That's what Paul is trying to tell us about Esau. If we follow earthly nature, we are sure to forfeit our heavenly inheritance. What will you trade for your heavenly inheritance? There's a lot of things that we make a choice to obtain and negate our heavenly inheritance. And I'm going to take you somewhere you're going to really have to think about this. Many times we make the choice for our pleasure or according to the pressure. Here's another one. Pressure. So yes, we make choices according to the pleasures that we desire, but sometimes you're under pressure. And you make the decision because of the pressure. God understands. I just got to do this right now. God knows what I'm going through financially. God knows what's happening in my mind. Rayon, God command us to pay our tithes. I'm just talking to you right now. If they hear it, they can hear it. But me and you talking, right? And so God commands us to pay our tithes. And so we get paid and we don't have enough to pay our tithes. And pay, uh, let's say, our cell phone bill. Right? And so now we're saying, man, I need my cell phone because, you know, that's where my job called me. And sometimes I get overtime and they call me on the cell phone to let me know that I need to come in for overtime. And you know I need my money. I'm struggling. I'm going from paycheck to paycheck. And so if I pay my tithes, then I can't pay my cell phone and they're going to cut my cell phone off. You know what? That's pressure. So guess what we do? I'll just make that up another time for God. I'm just going to pay my cell phone bill and I won't pay my tithes. You made a decision under pressure and explained your way away how it's right. When in actuality, you can never be right over God. How in the world can we ever be right over God? But what we do is, God understands how we know God understands. I think that's what Esau thought. God understands. I will just ask for forgiveness after I do this wrong thing. And so what we do sometimes is make a decision, make a choice to do something that satisfies what we want and then say God understands and then we go and ask for forgiveness. Okay. That works sometimes. It works sometimes. But it don't work all the time. And the question is, or the thought is, how do I know when it's going to work and when it's not going to work? How do I know if I just do this wrong thing right now and repent, God is going to be, God is going to forgive me, which he always will, but, but everything is going to be all right. How do I know that? Well, Genesis chapter 27, verse 30. Let's run it down real quick. I'm getting somewhere. I'm not going to keep you long. Try to get you to understand how to make the right choice. Genesis chapter 27, verse 30. And it came to pass as soon as Isaac 
had made an end of blessing Jacob, and Jacob was yet scarce gone from his present of Isaac his father, that Esau his brother came in from his hunting. For those of you that don't know the story, and for those of you that do know the story, bear with me. So we know the two brothers were born. They were twins. Esau came out first. Jacob came out second. Jacob was supposed to, um, Esau was supposed to inherit the, 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 the birthright. And so he sold his birthright to his brother. Now think about it. It was just him and his brother there. Nobody else. Him and his brother. And so he told his brother, I'm selling it to you for this food. Just him and his brother. And so he ate and moved on. Good. Not worried about that. And so dad was getting ready to die. And what they traditionally do in the old time, in the old times, godly men, when they get ready to die, they call the family, especially the boys together, and pray blessings over them. And so the father would pray for the elder, to, for, for the birthright and everything to be rich in his life and for him to follow after God, and he'll pray for the rest of them. And so the father, Isaac, is getting old, and he felt like death was close. So he told his eldest son, Esau, he said, Esau, I need you to go and fetch me some venison, some deer meat, right? And I want you to cook it up real good like you know how to and bring it to me. And when you bring it to me, I'm going to eat it. And when I'm done eating, I'm going to pray the blessings of God upon your life for the birthright. That's what the plan was. Well, the mother heard while she was in the kitchen. She heard dad talking to the elders saying that. And she said, Jacob, come here. You go out there and you get me two kitty goats. And I'm going to cook that up and take it to your father. Put some hairy stuff on your hand so you can seem like you're Esau. And you go in there and you feed your father and he'll pray the blessings of, of, of God upon you like you are the eldest. And you will receive the birthright. Jacob said, Mom, I can't do that. He's going to know. Mom said, don't worry about it. If he find out, I'll take the brunt of it. You just do what I tell you. And so Jacob catched the two kitty goat, gave it to mom, mom, cook it up. And now Jacob took the food into his daddy, Isaac. Isaac's eyes were kind of dim. He was old. He couldn't see real good anymore. And so Jacob said, Father, and he brought it into him and gave it to him. And Father said, why your voice sound like Jacob? He told him when, 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 Esau, when Jacob went in and he says, Father, um, it, it's your son, your, your firstborn. Uh, um, and he had the venison. Then the father said, the voice is the voice of Esau. Uh, Jacob, the voice, the voice of Jacob, um, but he, w- but Jacob was pretending to be Esau. So Jacob was tricking dad. Dad didn't catch it because again, old eyes are dim. And so then the father said, "Come close, let me feel your arms." And he come close, felt his arms, and he felt the hair. He's like, "Oh, you are my son, my firstborn, Esau." And so the dad prayed. The prayers, I mean, some great prayers. I mean, the blessings. Your brothers will serve you and all the good stuff and the the dew of heaven will be yours. And dad prayed a great prayer upon Jacob, thinking that was his firstborn. So here's where we are now. And so Jacob left out after the dad prayed the blessing. And now here come Esau with the venison, the real stuff, cooked up real good. And brought it to the dad. Right? And so he brought it in. Verse 31. 
And he also had made savory meat and brought it unto his father and said unto his father, Let my father arise and eat of his son's venison, that thy soul may be blessed or bless me. And I, his father, said unto him, Who art thou? Scared to death now, wondering what in the world just happened. And he said, I am thy son, the firstborn Esau. 33. And Isaac trembled very exceedingly and said, Who? Where is that had taken venison and brought it me? And I have eaten of all before thou camest and have blessed him. Yea, he shall be blessed. Isaac says, someone was here. And I prayed the blessings of God and he will be blessed. God will not reverse that. That's what, that's what, Jacob, that's what Isaac said. God won't reverse that prayer of blessing upon the person I just prayed for. And so he will be blessed. Whatever I prayed, it will happen. Verse 34, and when Esau heard the words of his father, he cried with a great and exceeding bitter cry and said unto his father, bless me, even me also, O father. And he said, thy brother came with subtility and had taken away thy blessing. You think we always going to make that decision? That choice? And it's going to be all good. It won't always be all good. There's going to be a time where you're going to lose out on your eternal soul and your heavenly inheritance from making a bad decision. And I'm here this morning to tell you, we need to make the right decisions. We need to make the right choices because we don't know which wrong one will take us over the edge. Now think about this. I'm going to tell you something about this text here. When Jacob and Esau was in the womb, they struggled in the womb. And the mom went and inquired to the Lord and says, what's going on inside of me? And the Lord said, you've got two nations in you. And the elder will serve the younger. What this is telling us is God knows everything that will happen. God knows the future. He knows everything that will happen. And he knew that Esau would have served Jacob. Not because Jacob wasn't, any, wasn't right or anything, but what he knew was the life that he was going to live. God knows the lives that we... Let me tell you what's so good about that that we don't understand. Even though God knew Esau was going to live a pathetic life, an ungodly life, was not going to own up to his birthright, God still put him in position to have made a right choice. No matter what you will do, God will always give you the opportunity. If we ever miss out, it won't be because God didn't do his part. If we ever come to a place where we destroy ourselves, it won't be because God won't do his part. Because even when God... God knows what the ending is going to be. He still gives you the opportunity. You can change your future by making the right choice. The Bible always talk about the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Well, you know what it was supposed to be? The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Esau. But Esau despised. 
was his birthright and it became the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. It didn't have to be Jacob. It should have been Esau. It don't have to be so-and-so. It could be you. It don't have to be her. It could be you. You have the power to make the right choice. You can make the right choice. God won't put you in a corner. God won't give you a hard time. Says You, ain't, you know how we do each other? Uh, you're just a mess. I'm done with you. No, not our God. He's always giving you the opportunity. Even when he knows you will get ten opportunities and blow all ten of them, he didn't stop to say, you're not getting no opportunity because I know what you're going to do. Just think about it. God knows what everybody was going to do. He knew that Adam and Eve was going to sin in the garden. Did he say, you know what? I ain't making man because they're going to sin anyhow. Think about that. He knew we would sin in the garden, so he had the right to just say, not messing with them. I'm just going to stay by myself because those people will never do right. They will always do wrong. That's not what he did. He said, I'm bringing them here anyway. Somebody's going to do right. Somebody's going to choose to do right. Somebody's going to make the right choice. Somebody's going to do what I want them to do. I'm not giving up on everybody because of some of the people. I'm going to make sure I give everybody a choice to do the right thing. The other thing that was fascinating about this story, Esau was not trying to keep his word. Because he made the deal for the lentils, why did he say to his dad, Dad, I'll go get the venison. I'll cook it up. But Jacob got to get the blessing. That's what he was supposed to say. But the deal is, no matter how we do it, and sometimes we want to say how and how, and we don't always understand. God knows everything. And that's why it's hard for us to make good, good, good assessment about situations because we don't have all the information. We don't have all the facts, but God has all the facts. God knew that Esau was not going to appreciate his birthright. God knew Esau was just going to live the way he want, reckless. And Jacob was going to desire to live the ways of God. God knew it. And so when Esau went and traded his birthright, bartered his birthright for for a bowl of soup, whatever you want to call it, God said, yeah, he didn't want it. It's not important to him. And Esau thought, because Esau could beat Jacob up, in case y'all didn't know that. Esau was no, no joke. Dude was a hunter. I mean, when he went out and hunt for something, he'd just get it and come back. He was a beast, as we like to say. I mean, he knew how to use the oh, bam. He knew how to use the bow and arrow. And so he was no joke. And so he could have beat his brother up. And so I don't know if that's why he felt like, man, just give me this stuff. You can have the birthright. But never had any intentions. When you do wrong, wrong is coming back at you. And Esau figured that nobody was around. And I sold the birthright. And now, you know what? I don't care. I'm going in and taking it back anyway. And God said, oh, yeah? Now, God didn't do it. God didn't instigate it. 
but it still worked the way God knew it would. It still worked out the way God knew it would. God didn't tell Jacob to do that. Remember, the mom did all that. See, here's what happened. Women of God? Boy, this is scary to say as a man. Y'all have children? You got some favor with God. And when that, when those babies was inside that mom, and that mom was, was, what's going on, God? God spoke to her and told her, the younger will rule over the older. And so mom knew it all along. She watched them. I don't think she said anything to her husband. She watched them. And watch how Esau just started going after the unchristian women. And Jacob was just cool. Jake dealt with the Christian women. And mom watched all that. And she was like, man, my oldest son, he just don't care nothing about living for God. He just did whatever he wanted. All he cared about was himself and what he wants. And he was the one that's supposed to get the birthright. And so when the mom heard that the dad was going to make that mistake and give him the birthright, the mom said, let's go. Go get the kitty goat. (laughs) Mom knew something. And I'm telling you, if you stay a woman of God and you get pregnant and you get your baby, you're going to talk to God. God going to tell you something because you're carrying that load. And so God will tell you what to do to make everything all right. Because children come from God. And so God spoke to that woman of God and told her what was going to happen. So she made some moves. She was the only one that knew. Nobody else knew. Her and God was all right. And so Esau made a decision and lost out on his heavenly inheritance for one bowl of lentil beans. He didn't think it was going to turn out like that. The Bible said he wept bitterly. God, Dad, can you pray me again? Pray, I need some. I thought you didn't care anything about this birthright. But you see how we do? And this is why I'm talking to you today about making the right choice. He made the choice for the moment. He made the choice for the instant satisfaction and gratification that he would have received. He made the choice for that moment and and, and never thought about the future. And even if he did, all he said is, well, it'll be all right. How you know the future is going to be all right? How you know what tomorrow is going to be like? How you know what next week is going to be like? How you know what a year or two years or ten years is going to be like? You can't make decisions today and say, it'll be all right. 10 years. I just got to do this right now. We don't know if we're going to be like Esau. And when we thought that we can get it back together and we can get our our inheritance and, and, and we will walk in the blessings and the power of God again, when we try to, we realize don't exist anymore. The Bible talks about this coming a day when, when, when the great catching away happened, the rapture, when God brings home the church. That when the rapture take place, the great catching away in First Thessalonians chapter, what's that, 4 starting in 12 and 13 and go on down. It talks about the great catching away, which the Christian church talk about, calls it the rapture. And when that happened, the Bible says, the Spirit of the Lord will no longer dwell in the earth. You know what that means? You know how sometimes 
we can sense God's presence, whether we be in good or bad. Y'all didn't know that, did you? You always hear this crazy stuff. People think God can't talk to people. That's bad. Nonsense. God talked to whoever he wanted to talk to whenever he wanted to talk to. Here's what God said. He says, the sun comes up on the just and the unjust alike. God says he reigns on the just and the unjust alike. So if you're not a Christian today and you don't care nothing about God and not living for God, you're still obtaining and experiencing the blessings of God because the just are here. (laughs) Oh, y'all got to get that. People don't realize that the Spirit of the Lord is in our world and there's still God is still holding His hand from things that can really destroy us, things that can really take over this world. God is staying His hand. Why? Because His children are still here. The just are still here. The one that He's chosen are still here. The ones that's living for Him, they're still here. So God is still protecting. God is still shielding. But the day will come when the rapture takes place and His children are raptured up to him no longer will his presence be here that means whatever man wants to do it won't be any spirit it won't be any goodness that will come uh, upon man and man can do good man will not be able to do good once God's presence is left this earth it's coming we think our world is bad now oh the world is terrible yeah it is but God is still keeping them some things under control. God is still blessing his people. But the day the rapture takes place, evil will be rampant and out of control because God won't have anything here that he's worrying about. I won't get into the other theologian part about it. I just want you to know that. So we must refrain from making choices for instant gratification. Instant gratification derived from our flesh. And our flesh will lead us to destruction. The Bible says, if you sow to the flesh, you reap corruption. If you sow to the spirit, you reap life everlasting. And so the flesh is what motivate us to make instant decisions. That will not be godly decisions. I noticed something when I was reading this. And maybe because I was dealing with death this past couple weeks, uh, it, it stood out to me. Esau used the word, I'm at the point of dying. Give me some of that lentil. Jacob. Not Jacob, Isaac. The dad that prayed the blessing. He said, I feel like I'm getting ready to die. Bring me some of that venison so I can eat. And I realize that when we are at the place of desperation, we need comforting. We we need something. We need we need something to happen to make us not feel like that. And Esau felt like he was getting ready to die because he was probably out hunting. I need to eat right now. Oh, Lord. Now we understand. I'm just getting it now. Now I understand 
why terrorists. Now I understand why um, we read about um, um, waterboarding torture. Now we know why they work. Because when man is at a place of desperation, he will give you whatever you want. And that's not God's intent. Man, will you allow the people that worship Allah to be more dedicated, to be quicker to say, I'll die for what I believe in than you? Because really, at the end of the day, that's kind of what's happening. They're saying, you will not torture me enough to make me denounce my God. You're just going to have to kill me. Now, we don't like to talk about this kind of stuff because it's heavy. But are we going to get to a place as children of God to say, no matter how I feel, no matter what you're doing to me, no matter how much death is steering me in the face, I will not do anything contrary to what God wants from me. Oh, God, help us. Help us, Jesus. Those two men were at a point of dying. And because they were, a point, were at a point of dying, they needed some comforting. Give me that, 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 that bowl of lentil. I don't care. I'll give you whatever you want. Just give me the bowl of lentil. And the dad says, get ready to die. <laughs> Maybe that's where they got your last meal in jail. Oh, man, the Bible is just, y'all, y'all, y'all. People getting ready to get the injection. Or whatever they, you know, they're going to die and they give them a last meal. Maybe Isaac started that. Maybe that's where they got it from. Isaac was getting ready to die, getting ready to pray the blessing upon his oldest. And he said, all right, let me eat my favorite thing, venison. You make good venison, son. Go get it, bring it to me so I can eat my last good meal before I die. If we don't believe this Bible... If we don't start to live this Bible, my goodness, this Bible is telling us a lot of things. It's showing us the way it's directing us. We need to make the right choices in our life. Matthew chapter 26. Matthew chapter 26. Esau made the wrong choice because it was for instant gratification which was motivated by his flesh, and he missed out on his spiritual inheritance. Eve, Adam's wife, made a choice that was motivated by her fleshly desires. Esau made a choice that was motivated by his fleshly desire, and both choices were wrong because flesh had motivated them to make that decision. Can I tell you, the Bible says, that all that this world contains is the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. That's all we chase after if we're not chasing after God. Whatever our flesh tells us, whatever our eye tells us, and our pride, whatever our pride do. You go back and look and see Eve showed us what the 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 order of sin is. She said, Man, 
Look at that. She saw the tree. Look at that. And so she said, wow, it's good for food. Flesh. Lust of the eyes because she saw. Lust of the flesh is good for food. Then she says, and it can make me wise, proud of life. That's how the first sin, second sin go down because the devil committed the first sin in heaven. But the second sin that went down or the second, whatever you want to call it, Eve says, look what it does. Lust of the eyes. It's good for my belly. Lust of the flesh. And it made me wise. Still till today, all of us that sin against God is because we lust with our eyes or we lust with our fleshly desires or our pride getting away. Oh, you ain't going to talk to me like that. That's pride. We, 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 we didn't realize that. Oh, I'm not taking that from you. That's your pride. Why are you not taking that? You know what Jesus took from us? What did Jesus took from us? He could have said, oh, no, I created you all. I'm not taking that from you. He, he had the right to say, I'm not taking this. Because pride never worked in him. Pride was never working in God when he was walking the earth. So his own creation that did him wrong, he didn't say to them, man, do you know who I am? Didn't say that. Lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. But what are we talking about here today? Making the right choice. And I'm closing here. Matthew 26, verse 36. Then cometh Jesus with them unto a place called Gethsemane and said unto the disciples, Sit ye here while I go and pray yonder. And he took with him Peter, the son of Zebedee, and began to be sorrowful and very heavy. Then, said unto, then he said unto them, My soul is exceeding sorrowful, even unto death. Tarry ye here and watch with me. And he went a little further and fell on his face and prayed, saying, O oh my father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as thou will. And he cometh unto the disciples and findeth them asleep. And said unto Peter, What? Could you not watch with me one hour? Watch and pray that ye enter not into temptation. I just want to pause right there and share this with you. Every time we fail, every time we sin, it's because we didn't pray before that happened. Jesus, this is, this is the word of God. The word of God says this, watch and pray that ye enter not into temptation. What does that mean? It means I need to pay attention and understand the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. And you should know yourself enough to say, whoa, and begin to pray 
immediately when the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life begin to come your way, seek you out. You need to stop right then and there says, in the name of Jesus. And I don't mean say some little sweet prayer. You need to pray till you sense the power of God has come over you and move in your life. Because only when the power of God come in your life and move, you go back and look. When Jesus prayed, what did the Bible says? His prayer as he began to pray, he sweat so much, and his sweat was like blood. So it's not just which I probably have done. I you can say whatever you want for yourself, but I have made that mistake. Lord, give me strength so I, I can withstand that. God, help me so I don't do the wrong thing. I didn't put no effort into that. That wasn't no prayer where I called down the heavens to help me. When we see the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, you need to take that moment and begin to pray like your hair is on fire. Begin to pray like something is getting ready to take place in your life. We need to pray real fervent prayer when we see that. Why we think Jesus was able to not, as he said, he could have called legions of angels to come and rescue him, to come and defeat the enemy, but he didn't. He never allowed any temptation to come into his life, but it was prayer that brought him to that place where he was not tempted. So it's not a little nice prayer that prevents you from doing wrong or sinning against God, but it's fervent prayer. The Bible says that the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man avail it much. It must be effective. It must be fervent when you're praying against temptation. Couldn't you not watch and pray for one hour? Watch and pray that ye enter not into temptation. Look what he says. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Our flesh is no good to us. You know the only thing your flesh is for? I wish I can get like this. Your flesh is to just be fed enough to give it enough fluids or fuel, or um, energy from what you eat. I like to eat. I enjoy good food. And I wish I could just eat just to be eaten, because really that's what the flesh needs. <laughs> no, the flesh just needs enough just to keep going, because all your flesh is for, get this, all your flesh is for is the vehicle that gets you around legally in this earth. That's all it is. It's the vehicle that your soul is clothed in. It's the house. It's the tent that you are dwelling in so you can get around. Let me prove it to you. The Apostle Paul said that I prefer to be with Christ, to be with the Lord. However, it's needful for me to be here. Why was it needful for Paul to be here as opposed to being in heaven? Because while he was here, he was moving about, going around preaching the gospel so people can get saved. So that was meaningful. Going to heaven is just for you. 
When you go to heaven, you can do nothing else to help anything else. Down here is where you demonstrate that you can do something, that you can help, that you can help what the Lord is doing. This is why it's important for us to get involved in serving, get involved. You know, we, 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 we make people tell us that, oh, you know, you don't need to do all that. You don't need to serve. Well, all you're doing is serving God by doing the things you need to do while you're in the earth. Because when you get to heaven... Even when we do anything there, we have this body that can't get tired. We have this body that can't get weak. We have this body that will never die. So when we get to heaven, we will be just chilling and not have anything to worry about because the body that we have cannot get weary. It cannot get sick. It cannot die. So our body here in this earth is only to help us with the plan of God. I asked the folks. And I'm closing. I know I said it. I'm, I'm at the end. I asked the folks down in Florida, like I like to do, why do we like to thank God for waking us up another day? And everybody like to say, because health and strength. And I say, and what are you doing with the health and strength? And everybody get quiet. I try to teach you all all the time. When you're thanking God for waking you up, get into the habit, and it will change your life. Because that's what I do, because it's important. When you wake up, say, God, I thank you for waking me up today. Help me to get a closer relationship with you. Because if you're giving me another opportunity, I need to get closer to you. Help me to use this day wisely to get closer to you and to help you with your plan in the earth. That's what I pray every day when I wake up. I'm not into, oh, God, the sun is shining and it's a beautiful day. And, man, I mean, we're just going to have a good time. Yeah, well, who did that benefit? Just you. And God will take care of you and make you feel good. I'm just telling you, we have to become more attentive to God where we're giving him something. We're, we're, We're giving our life to God. We're working with God. And not just everything that we do is for us. If it be possible... If it be possible, this is what Jesus said, if it be possible. That is, if the world can be redeemed, if it can be consistent with the way God does justice and with maintaining the government of the universe, that man should be saved without the extreme sorrow I got to go through. If it's possible that the world can be redeemed without me going through this, God, can you do that? That's what Jesus was sorrowing about. The sorrow of all the sins of every person that was in this earth was upon Jesus. And Jesus said, come on, is there another way for us to save people and to deliver them from their sin without me having to die? Without me having to deal with this sorrow? Without me having to carry this burden? Is there another way? So, if we're going to make good decisions, right choices, that's the first thing we need to say. God, What's your way in this? Because whatever your way is, I need to know that way. That's the first thing. Is there, is there, is it your way to do it this way? Is it your way? He said, if there's another way, let this cup 
let this cup, these, when he talks about cup, it's talking about bitter suffering. Let these bitter suffering, bitter suffering. Can I tell you this? If God had to suffer this bitter cup, if God had to suffer sorrow that our sins could be forgiven, you don't think we got to play a part in that too? You don't think that we got to go through some suffering? And let me tell you the key where we have to go through the suffering. See, God didn't suffer spiritually. Jesus, when he was suffering, it wasn't a spiritual suffering. It was in his flesh. And if we're going to make it to heaven, we're going to suffer in our flesh. Nobody's going to make it to heaven without the flesh having to suffer. Nobody can make it to heaven without the flesh having to suffer. I heard a preacher said recently, he said, when we get to heaven, you know what's one of the reasons why we're going to have such great joy? Because we're going to realize, man, I beat this temptation. Man, I was able to overcome this. Man, I remember when I thought I was done, when I was in this place, and I figured, man, I'm never going to make it. Man, God has forgotten about me. And man, I was able to get back my relationship with God, and I was able to get past that. When we get to heaven, we're going to be able to see a lot of things that we were able to overcome and to get past in order to get to heaven. There's some things in this life that God will not remove it out of your way. You're going to have to go through it. He's not moving it. And you can pray till thine kingdom come. He is not moving it. There's some things in this life that God says, you crazy if you think I want to move it. It's going to be there because in order for you to become the man of God that you need to become, in order for you to become that woman of God, in order for you to get so strong in God that you will make heaven your home, you got to go through that. There is no way to get there without going through that. I can't let you go around it. I can't let you go under it. I can't let you go over it. You're going to have to go through it. Jesus could not go around the cross. Jesus could not go under the cross. Jesus couldn't go over the cross. He had to go on the cross. And we have to go through the cross as well with suffering, with trembling, with all all the things that we got to defeat in our flesh. It's not going to be easy. And I'm just like you. I was talking to a young man yesterday at the funeral. The, the, one of the grandson of the lady that died. And I told him, and you mark this down. I've said this to you before and I'll continue to say it. I didn't start living for God. Because I was addicted to drugs. I didn't start living for God because I was an alcoholic. I didn't start living for God because I had some bad thing happen to me. I didn't start living for God for a whole lot of things that some people start living for God. And trust me, I'm not down talking people that start living for God because things happen to them. Because God will call us in every, any way he can. Whatever situation he has to use to call us, that's what he's going to do. Because he cares more about us being with him than anything else. So I'm not down talking that. But what I try to tell everybody is, you didn't live the world better than me. I was a worldian master of it. And I wasn't down and out when God called me. When God called me, I was living it up. 
And today, I'm able to tell people. That young man, I was able to talk to him, and he really understood what I was saying. Because people sometimes that are so entangled with this world, that they need somebody that understands where they are in order to help them get out. They need somebody to have been where they are. And they don't need somebody to tell them, yeah, you know, you know, this happened to me and this is why I came to God. They need somebody to know they was living it just like them. We need to make the right choice. And the only way you're going to make the right choice is to follow the Spirit of God and the Word of God. Jesus taught us how to make the right choice choice. Esau and Eve and so many other people in the Bible taught us how to make the wrong decisions. And every time your flesh is talking to you, you got to tell your flesh, you're trying to get me to give you instant gratification and put in jeopardy my eternal inheritance. When I live... Living for God, sometimes you might, if you go around me, you might think I'm over the top. Man, he's just extreme. I don't want to get comfortable. That's why I'm extreme. It's easy to get comfortable. It's easy to give in a little bit to the flesh. And before you know it, you all to the left. And you didn't think you'd be so far to the left. But you gave the flesh just a little, little inch. And the flesh took two miles. All you gave it was an inch. I just want to relax right now. Oh, man, I've been working all week. I just can't. This, this Sunday is the only day I get off to sleep late. Come on, somebody, talk to me. Sunday is the only day I get to sleep late. Saturday, I got to get up some for some people. I got to do laundry. I got to clean my house. I got to run errands, so I still get up early on Saturdays. And then Monday through Friday, I got to get up early. Sunday is my only day. And we make the decision to sleep in. We make a decision, a choice, just for that moment, just for self-gratification, just to satisfy the flesh. And we could be abandoning our inheritance that is heavenly. In order to make the right decision, you got to always look and say, is this for me or is this for God? The decisions that you're making the choices that you're making, is it for you or is it for God? Ladies, the decisions that you make, the way you dress and how you carry yourself, is it because you want to look that way or you're trying to make God be impressed with you? Brothers, are you worried about what other people think about you because you go to church? And so you live a certain kind of way or you're trying to make a decision, a choice to impress God. Will you stand with me? Making the right decision, the right choice. We can't make the right choice when our desires is talking to us. We can't make the right choice when our flesh is talking to us. We got to get to a place where we ask, what does God say about this? 
Proverbs 3 and 5 say, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not to your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will direct your path. I feel like saying this to you. We're dealing with trust issues. And that's why we're making wrong choices. Somehow we're not trusting God that when I make a decision that I'm not really in favor of, it's not, it's, it's not a decision that I want. You're not trusting that God got you. Trusting God is like jumping off a cliff, 50 feet high, concrete bottom, but you know God is somewhere in between and he's going to catch me. But we're not trusting him enough like that. And so we're making a lot of wrong choices because we're not trusting that God loves us enough or loves us that much that you can make a decision that's not favorable for you. That's not going to give you right now self-gratification, but you just know God's going to turn it into something for you. God is wanting us to trust him. And if we will trust him and make decisions that prove we trust him, I believe you're getting ready to see something great happen in your life. Your relationship with God is getting ready to change if you will trust God. Let go of the controls. Let go of the controls. Let go of the controls. You cannot get yourself to heaven. You cannot Get yourself to accomplish the things you aspire for. Because if you could, you would have already. Let go of the controls. Tell somebody, let go of the controls. Got to let go of the controls. God is looking for us to trust Him. God is looking for us to trust Him. That's how we're going to make the decisions. And don't make no excuse for God. God, you don't understand. I'm just, I just need to do this. And I know you understand. I'm just going to do this one thing. Let go of the controls. Trust God and make the decision that he wants you to make. Make the choice that is right and pleasing unto him. The choice that leads you towards him.